welcome to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I will not fight. TNT, I'm a power load. TNT, watch me explode. <laughs> Hello out there. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. This is a first. We are actually for the first time ever. We are actually, we are not recording, we are actually live in the studios at AM 1170 here in San Diego, while also broadcasting live on Facebook. Usually what I do is I record the show on Tuesday mornings while broadcasting live on Facebook so that we can have a little bit of that during the day action and then broadcast the show later. But this is the first time to try it, so hopefully you guys are able to hear me on Facebook as well as out there in San Diego on AM 1170. I'm so excited to be here tonight. And, for, and guess who's sharing the studio with me tonight? It's actually not DJ Carrot Sticks, who's my usual guy here with me. I got a new friend in the booth. Everybody, welcome Joseph. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Andrea. Happy to run the show for you. Oh, happy to have you here. Hey, I need your help out there. You know, you guys out there helped me name my DJs in the past. Y'all came up with Dijon for Dylan. You helped me come up with DJ Carrot Sticks. So y'all help me out here. We, you got to get to know Joseph a little bit. Maybe we'll come up with a nickname for him. <clears throat> if my voice sounds a little raspy, it's because um, I, this is actually coming at the end of a very long day where I have been talking all day. Um, I stood for about six or seven hours actually doing an on-camera spokesperson job today. <clears throat> so I'm a, little, I'm a little wore out. So I'm glad that I've got some guests coming up on the show. I've got Ed Henry, White House, Fox News, uh, course, White House correspondent who's going to be here. I'm so curious to talk to him and get his perspective on what's happening with Trump and a little bit behind the scenes because he's like an actual newsman. I'm interested in news, not narrative. So I'm interested to see what he's got to say. Um, if I look a little weird, you can hear from my voice that I've been on camera, but you might see that I've got like three inches of makeup on me from being on camera. And so if you see me scratching my face, it's because I've got so much makeup on me that I think it could actually be used as a border wall, actually. And you know what? We really seriously, by the way, I got like three inches on. What's up with the wall? How many years now have I been saying the most important issue that we've got to deal with is the wall? I said, if Donald Trump, when I did a show about expectations, I said, if he did one thing at the end of his first term, seal the border and build that wall, I'd be happy. It was his signature piece of, of his agenda. Build the wall. Seal the border. And not just seal the southern border with the wall, but also to take care of the refugee, the, the virtual borders that we had with the refugees coming here, the people coming here and overstaying their visas. We also have cyber borders that are an issue. His number one agenda item, building the wall, and it seems like it's crumbling. Y'all tell me I'm wrong to be concerned here. I would love for somebody to tell me I'm wrong today to be concerned. Because why in the, I'm sitting here wondering why in the world, out of threat of a government shutdown, Donald Trump is, is removing his request for $1 billion. $1 billion. Actually, uh, CNS News did a report today that what Donald Trump is asking for in terms of spending $1 billion is less than the Department of Health and Human Services spends in just 12 hours and less than the Treasury collects in taxes in four hours. 
I get it. One billion dollars is a lot of money, but it's actually pennies compared to some of the other spending that we have. So it's absolutely ridiculous that Donald Trump and the Republican Party are pulling requests for funding under the pressure of a Democrat party who was the minority party. We are the majority party. And I don't understand why the Republicans right now are caving under pressure for a government shutdown when they have the majority. And yet they're still acting like they're the minority party when we've had 17 shutdowns in the past, what, since the 1980s? At no point did the dire apocalypse for the party occur as a result of a shutdown. In 2013, you know who ended up looking the worst when we had a shutdown? It was President Obama, because remember how he went to the American people and he lied and said that he had to shut down the wall and keep the veterans from being able to go, the senior citizen veterans from being able to go to the World War II museum and event. And it ended up coming out, revealing with the emails from the Department of Interior that he lied and he could have kept it open. In fact, keeping them all open would have been cheaper than shutting it down. When we had two shutdowns, when Bill Clinton was president, two shutdowns. The Republican Party didn't lose any votes. It didn't hurt them. George, all the Congress people ended up getting reelected, these career Congress people, and George W. Bush ended up getting elected president. It didn't hurt anybody. I don't understand what this capitulation is about. So I guess I'm forced to have to look at this and say what this is about is Donald Trump is being dragged to the left or he's allowing himself to, to succumb to this political notion that he's got to knuckle under for fear that we might lose in the midterms. You know how you want to win the midterms, whether, whether it's um, somebody who's currently in office or whether they want to pick up seats or whether Donald Trump wants to be reelected in 2020? Honor your campaign promises that you already made in the past. See, that's one reason why Donald Trump got the nomination in the first place from the other 16 other Republicans who failed to honor their promises. His number one promise was he was going to build a wall. He was going to seal the borders. One billion dollars. And I get that he's promising that he's still going to build it. But he shouldn't be. He should not be pulling it back because this is really, really symbolic. He is for some reason caving in to some mindset or some. I don't I don't understand. I'm going to pose this question to Ed Henry when he comes on, because I'm curious to see if maybe he can give me some perspective, some window into the mindset of what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe that I don't understand. I'm hoping somebody's going to help me understand this because I don't. I don't at all. I don't understand why he's knuckling under. We find out today the uh, AP is reporting that a federal judge has blocked any attempt on the Trump administration to withhold funding from sanctuary cities, saying that uh, you can't really use funds that are federal grants that don't have anything to do with immigration, that you can't really use those as, as a form of punishment. Well, fine. Then what Donald Trump needs to do is he needs to start issuing orders that anybody who's not going to cooperate with federal law be put in handcuffs because you know what? If I break the law, I get arrested. It's time for Donald Trump. We are, we are closing in on the 100-day mark, and my patience is dwindling, to be honest. And I know I love Donald Trump. I'm, I'm still a supporter, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned that it's showing that he's buying in. The great negotiator is, is being out-negotiated. He's succumbing to the great wall of these opposition parties and both parties. I agree with Jeff Sessions. He said that what's going on here is that you've got you've got people and two parties, really, that don't want to solve problems. You know why? Because problems are power, because if they solve the problems, then what do they have to go out to the people and say, oh, gee, reelect me and I'm going to solve this problem. The Democrats are even worse because the Democrats actually create problems and then pretend that the government is actually going to solve the problems with the ultimate goal to be having us all end up enslaved to the government.
I'm really concerned about what this means. I love that Ted Cruz is coming out and saying, hey, let's seize El Chapo's assets to pay for the wall. Actually, last week, or maybe it was the week before, Rogers had come out with some legislation saying, let's make the illegals pay for it. This one, uh, tr- $1 trillion that the Department of Health and Human Services alone will spend in 2017, how much of that is health care and other items under DHS, health and HHS, going to illegals? How many, how many illegals here, if we've got all these millions, I like Rogers' idea of making them pay for it. I could be wrong to be as upset and concerned as I am. I mean, you know, tell me on Facebook. Tell me why you think I'm wrong. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. I'm going to have Ed Henry, Mr. White House correspondent, come on and maybe give us some behind the, help me to understand maybe a little bit more because you know what? Maybe I don't understand how Washington works. Maybe I need to get a little bit better clue of that. I don't know. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to have Ed Henry from the White House um, press room, press corps, right here on the Andrea K Show. Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all with me. Hopefully my voice is going to continue to hold up here. I'm super excited to have my next guest with me. <clears throat> I don't have a whole lot of actual journalists on the show with me. I tend to have a lot of reporters, uh, uh, pundits out there because, I mean, how many actual reporters, like real journalists, do we have left in America, I ask you? Um, so I'm really thrilled for the first time on the Andrea K. Show to have with me Ed Henry. Hey, Ed, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hey there. Hey. Um, okay, Ed, uh, before the break, um, I was expressing my concerns about what's going on with the Trump administration. I know, as I was just saying, you're an actual journalist and not a reporter. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because you're not paid to spend. There's Trump supporters like us concerned that what the heck is going on, Ed? Why is he, you know, kowtowing to the Democrats and giving in on this border wall thing, which his, was his signature agenda? Who's dragging him to the left? Is it, you know, Paul Ryan? Um, some people speculating that maybe what's going on behind the scenes is his son-in-law, Jared Kirshner. Um, w- can you tell us, give us a little insight, a little, you know, backstage what's well, happening? I'm not sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure he's kowtowing. I, I think that obviously 
um, he's trying to play the long game, which is that you're not going to get everything that you promised in the campaign in the first hundred days. I think his supporters would like to see that. And frankly, I think that the, you know, the president himself raised expectations probably a little too high with some of the things he said in the campaign and the transition. And then the first month or so, uh, of his administration that made it seem like he was going to magically negotiate his way through all of this. Uh, and instead, he's had some big stumbles like the health care mm-hmm. uh, repeal and replace, which never happened. Um, and now we see on border funding, I think he's still going to push forward on it. But, you know, in fairness to him, he's running against a brick wall among Democrats. Democrats are not giving him an inch on border funding or anything else. Uh, the, you know, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi in the House are not working with this president on anything. So to answer your question directly, I I think he's needing a wall of Democratic opposition. But yes, I think directly to answer you, I think Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, and Ivanka, his daughter, uh, definitely seem to be, if not pulling him to the left, pulling him to the middle Mm. because they think that he had some high-profile stumbles with General Flynn, uh, with health care, uh, and with the travel ban uh, mm-hmm. pushed maybe to the right by Steve Bannon. Uh, and you now see Bannon in the doghouse a little bit. Um, and I think his daughter and son are certainly trying to get him to focus on, quote unquote, governing. Uh, and well, we'll see whether that, you know, whether that works out or not. Well, it hasn't so far because there's a lot of people concerned, like, what the heck is going on? Because, you know, Ivanka Trump may make beautiful dresses. I wear most of them, but I don't consider her to be like the greatest uh, political strategist of our time or or Kirshner. Um, so speaking of Bannon, though, I'm glad you brought that up. Is he in or out? What's the word? What can you tell us? Well, he's in, but I think that he, you know, in in the sense of still being at the White House, despite the fact that his critics were suggesting, you know, for a while there that he was going to be fired or, or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And no, he's still there. I think he still has influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think his influence has waned somewhat as mm-hmm. Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump have gained more uh, mm-hmm. power inside this White House. I mean, Ivanka Trump, it, where is she right now? She's in Germany. Uh, representing the administration before Chancellor Merkel. Uh, Where was Jared Kushner a week or two ago? He was in Iraq representing the administration in a war zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe appropriate and all that, but it shows um, that Bannon's influence is waning and Mm -hmm. uh, Kushner and Ivanka Trump and others are are gaining influence because I'm not just focusing on these individual trips, but it's who the president has out there representing them. And it's very clear uh, that their star is rising. Well, their star is rising and his seems to be falling a little bit because if they're dragging him away from his, uh, from fulfilling his campaign promises, that's that's not going to help anybody because he got the nomination, actually, because people were kind of tired of the Republicans failing on their promises. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a couple of listener questioners for you, questions for you, if you don't sure. mind. Um, yeah, no yeah, it seems a lot of reporters and this is like word for word, seems a lot of reporter reporters just kind of work off of the New York Times articles that kind of drive the stories <laughs> and. And there's a there's a question whether or not the reporters who feed off of that are just being lazy or if there's pressures actually from their bureaus to do that. Do you ever feel pressured to report on stories that kind of make your gut or your third eye twitch? Because, you know, they're really false narratives. You know what I mean? I don't, I, yeah, I know what you mean, but I don't feel that way at Fox at all. As okay. a national correspondent and somebody who's just written this book, 42 Faith, about Jackie Robinson, I think that um, I have independence to follow the story where it goes. Do I think that there are some 
uh, mainstream media reporters who pick up the New York Times in the morning and then follow that story as sort of the quote-unquote narrative of the administration. Absolutely. There's no doubt that that happens. That's been happening for a long time, uh, predating the Trump administration. But I think you see the New York Times on a regular basis, you know, has a front page with, with not just one, but two or three sometimes just negative, nasty stories about the president. And I think that is another factor that you have to weigh in. It doesn't I'm not trying to excuse the president. As I said at the beginning, he's made mistakes uh, in the first hundred days. But uh, the Times and others have been. You know, have not given them any kind of a grace period. When you look right. at some of the things that were said and written about Barack Obama in the first hundred days, uh, look at what Chris Matthews was saying uh, from MSNBC during the first hundred days about how you need to give the president some time and a meeting for him. That's not what yeah. you're seeing from the New York Times and others. Yeah. Um, uh, another question here. I don't remember whether or not you actually covered Hillary Clinton because you you're the White House correspondent. Um, but yeah, I did cover. Her. You yeah. did cover. So somebody had a question of was it was it really you know a false story and fake narrative or is she really sick or struggling with any kind of health issue? You know, I'm not aware of any specific health issue that is sort of a long term problem. I think there's no doubt that the campaign was rocked by the fact that she fainted, you know, at that 9-11 ceremony uh, in lower Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just that she fell down. uh, It was that they appeared to cover it up. They appeared to, you know, try to cover it up, I should say. The video spoke for itself, but they, you know, did not initially disclose that Mm -hmm. she had had pneumonia, I believe. You know, and Mm -hmm. so the way they handled it, certainly suggested there was something deeper there, mm-hmm. but it's never been officially confirmed that she has some long-term health problem. I certainly wish her the best. And I don't have, you know, I don't have any inside knowledge of, of something worse, but I think that the way the camp, her campaign handled what should have been routine. I mean, people get pneumonia, people faint, right. Uh, right. it happens, uh, but they treated it in such a, in so secretively uh, and dribbled out information that it suggested that there was something more there. Gotcha. Um, I just think it must be so thrilling for you to be. I mean, maybe it's not anymore because you've been the White House correspondent for so long and getting to be in the White House and going to the press briefings. Mm-hmm. But for those of us who don't get to, to do that, I thought it'd be fun for my listeners to kind of hear just one one thing that maybe um, they don't know. What can you tell us that like it's really like to be in there at to be <laughs> at one of these press briefings? And the follow up to that is who do you think so far that you've been in there with is kind of the best at the dodge and weave? of the reporters. Oh, you mean in terms of pushing the press yeah. secretary? Well, no, like the press well, secretaries, well, you know, bobbing and weaving from the hardballs being thrown at them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Jonathan Carl of ABC news has always been someone that I respect. I think he asked tough, but fair questions. He does it with John Spicer now. Uh, and he did it with Josh Ernest and Jake Harney uh, when I was covering uh, the Obama White House. And so I think John Carl is somebody that, that is very good. I think Kristen Walker at NBC News is another rising star as well. Um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, it's always fascinating to be able to cover these presidents. And, you know, the daily briefing is something, you know, you walk up that drive every day on the way to the West Wing uh, and you literally have to pinch yourself mm-hmm. at the idea that, you know, you're covering the White House and, um, you know, regardless of who's in power, um, it, it's a wonderful privilege yeah. to be there. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show, and I am talking to Ed Henry, Fox News 
Channel White House correspondent. And I want to talk a little bit about your book because I do an awards at the end of every week. It's I do one that's last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award. And then I do Hero of the Week. And every week I struggle trying to find me a dang hero. You would think <laughs> it would be easier. So I actually saw that you wrote this book about one of my dad's heroes. I'm going to get a little choked up oh. here. Jackie Robinson. My dad was a huge baseball fan. It's not my sport. My sport's the NFL. Um, but it is baseball season, America's pastime. And I, and I saw that yeah. you wrote this book about Jackie Robinson. And I don't think my dad had any idea the real depth of who he was beyond just being yeah. an, an amazing baseball player. And to me, my heroes tend to be people of faith who um, aren't just celebrities or aren't just athletes, but people who, whose faith inspire me because it's a faith that helps them to overcome obstacles. What can you tell us about Jackie Robinson and his faith? Well, I'm glad you raised that because the whole reason why I call it 42 Faith is everybody knows the movie 42 that came out in roughly 2013 about Jackie Robinson because he wore number 42, now been retired by Major League Baseball, so that nobody, not just on the Dodgers, but nobody on any team can ever wear 42 again. And a, and a wonderful tribute. What people, I think, do not realize is, yes, as you say, baseball star, civil rights icon. But a man of faith, he didn't wear it on his sleeve per se. But I suspect, like a lot of your listeners, he, you know, they have a deep faith, but they maybe just don't advertise it. They're quiet about right. it, and that's fine. It's in this mm-hmm. country we should have freedom of religion, freedom of worship, in a way mm-hmm. that you define, not not mm-hmm. that society defines for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you a quick story. I mean, Jackie Robinson is somebody who was raised by a single mom in Pasadena, California. This happens, obviously, more and more, uh, sadly, uh, in our society today than it did in the 30s and 40s when he was coming of age, but raised by a single mom, and he joins a gang, uh, and as a teenager, has a criminal record. He's going the wrong way. Uh, and suddenly, a Christian minister named Reverend Carl Downs uh, at the Scott United Methodist Church, I was there as part of my research, it's still standing in Pasadena, California, uh, said, Jackie, you're going to waste all this athletic talent. If you just keep going the wrong way, you've got to get on the right path. Mm-hmm. And so he becomes a four-letter man at UCLA. What that means is he gets four letters for varsity uh, in baseball, basketball, football, and track and field. No one had ever done that at UCLA before. Mm-hmm. And what does he do on the weekends? On Saturday, he stars on the gridiron for the football team at UCLA. He gets battered. He gets bruised. He gets up on Sunday morning, and he ends up teaching Sunday school. Wow. He gets out of bed as a college athlete and goes back, drives back from Los Angeles to Pasadena. Not that far of a ride, but still for a college athlete. These yeah. world athletes of today, they don't get out of bed on Sunday morning and teach yeah. Sunday school. Jackie Robinson did that because mm-hmm. he wanted to pay back this minister who had put mm-hmm. him on the right path. And finally, I will tell you that Rachel Robinson, Jackie's widow, who's still alive today, about 95 years old, mm-hmm. she remembers that in his rookie season of 1947, we're now celebrating the 70th anniversary of his mm-hmm. rookie season of 47, he'd leave Ebbets Field in Brooklyn uh, with the Brooklyn Dodgers, come home to their tiny apartment in Manhattan, New York, and every night before bed, Jackie Robinson would get down on his hands and knees and pray to God. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who becomes a civil rights icon. He's a baseball mm-hmm. hero. Uh, he's world famous by, by this time. And yet he understood that there was a higher power. Yeah. Uh, and when people were shouting the N-word at him, people were literally threatening his life because he wanted to play baseball. I detail in the book how his faith guided him. 
mm-hmm. and helped sustain him through the low moments and helped his, it helped him rise above all of these attacks. So I think faith was sort of the secret ingredient here mm-hmm. that has not been highlighted by Hollywood, right. has not been highlighted by other books about Jackie. So 42 Faith, I think, mm-hmm. tells you the rest of the story. Well, I'm so glad you wrote it, and I'm glad that I that I heard about it because, uh, you know, this is a story that um, I it needs to be— <laughs> Football, Aaron Hernandez, you know, we all know what happened with him. He's just one of many mm-hmm. sports people and celebrities that had everything handed to them. Two minutes. And, you know, and didn't have the faith that might have sustained them. We need more role models like Jackie Robinson in this world, whether they're athletes sure or, do. yeah, or, you know, actors and, or celebrities. We need, we need this in our country. You know, I really thought that after the election, stupidly, that maybe so much of the hate going on in America and the divisiveness might settle down a little bit, Ed. I really thought it might and you know i'm and and it it just hasn't and maybe if we can have more stories of inspiration and have more role models like jackie robinson and and talk more about faith and how it helps people in their lives and and inspire people that way while we still talk about the hard-hitting stuff you know maybe it might help us a little bit how can people find the book i I think you're right i think one minute powerful theme if you go to 42 the number 42 Facebook.com. It links you up to Amazon and BarnesNoble.com. Uh, the book has been selling well. It debuted as number four on the Washington Post bestseller list. So if you're a baseball fan, uh, you're going to love the baseball stories about Jackie Robinson. But I think what you're touching on, if you're somebody who is a person of faith, mm-hmm. uh, 42 Faith is something you're going to love. So it's 42Facebook.com. All right. Thanks for being here, Ed Henry. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Don't go anywhere, Andrea K. Show listeners. Because we're going to be back with none other than Reagan baby. Megan Barth is going to be here. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows. And through the years, I've been selling in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me. At yes, I'll do that. 992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I am loving the fact that I'm live right here in San Diego, in San Diego on AM 1170, and I'm also live on Facebook. Hey, everybody out there. Love you all. Um, the only downside to this Facebook Live thing that I've found so far is that I have to kind of go with like generic bumper music. I can't really play some of my favorites. I can't even really play like I would love to play like a song about hot witches for my next guest because she is like the ultimate hot witch a conservative who's also, you know, a, a, a fitness competitor. And uh, she's got she's got her her brain is as powerful as her biceps. It's Megan Barth. Welcome back and back to the show. 
Well, I'm so glad to be back, Andrea, and I love that intro. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, been a while since you've been here. Lots been happening. Um, I doubt, I don't know if you heard my open, but talk me off the ledge here, Megan. We didn't talk before the show, so I have no idea where Megan is at on this, but I'm really not liking the fact that Trump pulled back on his request for funds for the wall. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I haven't really read into that. I think that was some news that broke while I was on some other shows today. However, um, you know, whenever I doubt Trump, I go back to the art of a deal. And the art of the deal basically puts out about 10 or 11 different steps on how the art of the deal is constructed and then closed. And so if he doesn't think he has the best negotiating power right now and he delays it till September, then let him go till September. However, however, for those wringing their hands, figuring out, oh, how are we going to pay for this wall? You know, the Democrats never have a problem finding money for bureaucracy. Right. Oh, yeah. They certainly have a, they, they certainly have a problem in their pet projects, but they certainly have trouble finding money when it comes down to our national security. Yeah. And this is one of the, one of the primary reasons why they lost. Yeah. And they were coddling illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. They were uh, creating sanctuary cities. We saw a spike of crime in our, our streets, and politicians, mm-hmm. mainly Democrats, were giving us uh, the consequences of open borders. Uh, under mm-hmm. Barack Obama for the last eight years. Yeah, in fact, um, in my open, I was talking about a, an article came out from CNS News that the what the funds he's requesting for the border wall are uh, less than um, HHS Department of Health and Human Services spends in just twelve hours, and less than the mm-hmm. Treasury collects in, in taxes in four hours. This is minuscule. In fact, it's nothing compared to the billions of dollars that's being spent uh, for refugees. Billions of dollars being sent to terrorist countries around the world. Billions of dollars uh, being spent uh, for uh, refugees to be brought here. Um, but I think you're right. I think I'm going to hold my fire a little bit and um, my concern about Trump and give him a little bit more time. I think actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know what? There was way too much hype over this first hundred days business. Mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah, any president absolutely. in the past where everybody was like hand, hand, hand wringing, like you said, gnaw boning over the first hundred days. I kind of wish Trump hadn't made such a big deal out of it because then maybe people wouldn't be so obsessed over, although they're obsessed over anything that he does because They've got to they've got to try to find a way to undermine him. Um, Now, I was talking to Ed Henry a few minutes ago. He says he doesn't think Bannon's out, but that he's kind of been marginalized. Um, I think uh, I think who needs to be marginalized, if not pushed the way out, is Paul Ryan. I don't know that that's going to happen, though, but I'm hoping uh, that um, that you're right. We're going to keep we're going to keep our eye open. And hopefully, you know, there's 400 contractors here in San Diego that are actively bidding right now to be able to build this wall. So I predict yeah, that it gets built. And, and many of them Mexican-owned. And so, you know, this is yeah. what I find quite ironic. But, yes, the 100 days, I definitely believe, has been trumped up, mm-hmm. uh, no pun intended, uh, especially when you look at the political landscape that Trump has entered into, whether it's an economic domestic policy landscape, a, for, a foreign policy landscape, but just simply the landscape of Congress, mm-hmm. even though Republicans have the majority. We have been ruled by moderates for so long, and that is why we lost time mm-hmm. and time again. The message that conservatives put forward, whether that be the Freedom Caucus or the message on the campaign trail of repeal Obamacare uh, and those messages, which created the largest congressional majority, uh, I believe, since World War II, uh, fell on the deaf ears of the moderate leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he has a lot of... Uh, hands to shake and arms Mm -hmm. to twist Mm -hmm. in order to come up with uh, 
a tax solution. You know, Republicans used to be the party of low taxes mm-hmm. and limited government. Mm-hmm. And gone are those days. It's nearly a taboo topic, yet unless they are on the campaign trail trying to get reelected. Right. Um, I want to move on to, a, to another story that's got everybody, all conservatives, really concerned. And it's the less coordinated attack on speech, whether it's the riots we're seeing at Berkeley where Milo was dragged off and now they won't let Ann Coulter come and speak. But, oh, by the way, there's, a, you know, the, uh, some College of New York that's bringing Miss, Miss Sharia, Miss Sharia Law Sansour there, who thinks, who would love to... To whack off Brigitte Gabriel's, you know, vagina and take that away from her. No, she's welcome to come and speak and give the commencement address. From that to um, O'Reilly and now recent attacks on Hannity, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's a multi-pronged attack against free speech and specifically conservative speech. This isn't uncommon for the left to use a variety of tactics in order to silence conservatives, whether it was the sexual harassment unfounded allegations levied towards Clarence Thomas, or uh, her, uh, Herm, uh, Herman Cain, or uh, God forbid Bill Clinton. We never would, we'd never want to, if we're liberal, we never accuse Bill Clinton of sexual harassment. However, the sexual harassment card is definitely being played and being played well, uh, along with the race card and everything else of the cards that the Democrats like to use in order to create as much chaos and division. When we look at Berkeley, for example, who runs Berkeley? Who's the top echelon at Berkeley? That would be Janet Napolitano. She has the ultimate say over how these campuses protect their students in, in, in order to protect the Constitution. What Janet Napolitano did, as well as the Chancellor of Berkeley and the Mayor of Berkeley, was embolden a communist movement, an Antifa movement, mm-hmm. and allowed them to run the streets in Berkeley to chase off anyone that does not agree with their communist leftist views. And obviously, this, this encouragement, either through silence or stand-down orders, is supported by the left, because I'm not hearing the leaders on the left condemn the violence mm-hmm. at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. No, what they do is they look to find one instance where they can find a Trump supporter who acted, you know, untoward against somebody. You know, they didn't care at all that some woman was egged. When was it? Was that at a Trump rally? Remember back during San the Jose. Yeah, in, in San Jose where some woman was li- literally egged in her face. They didn't care about that. Um, no. So, that, you know, because I guess there was some some supposed Trump supporters who actually punched, you know, somebody. And we condemn that. You know, there no acts of violence is appropriate, but like two dudes compared to, you know, how many thousands that we've had uh, from this Antifa. Well, you know, Trump cre- supporters aren't taking over college campuses and denying Linda Sansour the uh, ability to speak by either torching buildings, flipping over cars, mm-hmm. assaulting women or police officers. That's mm-hmm. not what conservatives do. That's not what Trump supporters do. Now, if we look at the history of the leftist movements in mm-hmm. this country, many of them funded by DNC and George Soros, mm-hmm. they sent violent protests protesters into Chicago to disrupt and end a Trump rally. They mm-hmm. support those uh, riots that happened in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And the list goes on and on. And these are specific attacks against conservatives. If the Democrats couldn't get the fairness doctrine passed through Congress, mm-hmm. they are going to use violence and chaos to achieve their means. And we have proven that they've done so. Well, they're, they're also going to continue with, legislation, One minute. with uh, legislation. That's part of what the, they, the narrative started right after the election. Oh, it was this fake news. So they're going after Facebook. You know, they're going after other uh, social media, doing everything that they can. How can people read your stuff, Miss Megan? ReaganBabe.com. That's Reagan as in Ronald, Babe as in Ruth. ReaganBabe.com. All right. Thanks for being here.
Thank you. All right. We are going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere, Andrea K. Show listeners, because we've got a story coming up here, especially for local San Diegans that just in California that really got everybody outraged. I got my girl Julie Mills Brennan going to be here. Maybe she's going to talk me off the ledge as well, because Megan did with the Trump border wall situation. More Andrea K. Show coming right back up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. This is like one of my favorite topics, my favorite segments of all time to do, because y'all know, how, all you Andrea K Show listeners, how much I love my real estate. I watch every show on HGTV. I'm one of these people addicted to Joanna and Chip Gaines on Fixer Upper. I watch, I watch all those remodel shows. They're the best, though. Here's some great news. I got my girl Julie Mills Brennan here with me. Hey, Julie, welcome back to the show. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Um, Julie, I don't know if you saw this little bit of good news. Um, but I saw it before I came into the station. But CNBC is reporting that spring housing is the strongest seller's market ever in history. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, no, that's exactly what's going on. I'm every sing- I don't call agents now and ask them how, uh, if their property is available. I ask them, how many offers do you have and when do I need to get it into you? That's my question. I, I don't love even that. I mean, it's crazy. Well, that is crazy. And I'm so excited about that because those of you from San Diego and, and California and even outside of here must know what happened to our housing market back in 08. But this is actually national here. So, you know, this is a, a tremendous piece of great economic news for us because uh, housing and anything related to housing and construction is one of the leading economic indicators for our economy. This is tremendous news. You've got this on top of the stock market rallies. You've got, you know, Jobs reports improving. You know, everybody is kind of gnashing their teeth over some stuff happening out there. And I get that. And I was kind of concerned myself as well. So I just think it's exciting, you know, to talk about great news that's happening mm-hmm. economically for everybody. I mean, it, it's tremendous for us, you know, for, for people who want to upgrade and move to a bigger home with their family or maybe people that want to leave San Diego or retire or downgrade. You know, it's just it's just tremendous times. So while we have this good news, though, I posted on Facebook the other day. An article that I found out of actually out of the Orange County Register that I guess because the housing market is doing so well, the California state legislators have decided that an area that they want to pierce 
to pick the pockets of Californians is homeowners. They want to get at a proposition that caps property taxes. And this is, we can't, we've got to scream as loud as we can, right, Julie, to everybody listening. And even the friends of California, even if you don't live here, help us stop this. Because if you, the whole reason why it was Proposition 13, correct? Correct. In 1978, the reason why this was passed was because the increasing, ever-increasing property taxes was making it so people couldn't buy. It was forcing seniors and other people on fixed incomes out of their homes because they couldn't afford it anymore. So, you know, it's, it's, we have to keep this. The, the, these legislators are saying that the reason why they want to get at this and remove the caps is because since it is a tremendous seller's market, and we do have housing prices as high as we do, that it's making it hard for people to buy. And if they raise the taxes, they'll take that money and build affordable housing. And I'm saying, wait a second, Julie, I would love to live on Lake Cuomo too, Lake Fancy Pants with George mm-hmm. Clooney, but I don't expect mm-hmm. them to raise his property taxes so they can use it to build me a cheap home, right? Right. Well, I mean, the whole the whole idea is that they would be increasing the 1% up on the the purchase price to two percent, which is basically doubling what we have to pay per month. And uh, just an average, the average home price right now is about four ninety three in in Southern uh, uh, California, basically. And that that would be four hundred extra dollars a month for forever. Yeah, you know, I mean that's just it's it's that's a huge amount per month to to ask for more. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I had to pay a lot. I mean that's just even for the minimum house. I mean that's not even talking about people that own you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars houses. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So I, I'm I'm so hoping that this does not happen because it's just going to really really. They said it's basically going to kill kill everything. Yeah, it will. And it's going to really hurt a lot of seniors because I live in La Jolla and there's a lot of seniors and retirees that are cash poor and real property rich. Basically, they've got their property, their home, and um, maybe they're they're mortgage free at this point and they've got they've got their fixed income and they've got their fixed property taxes and, and they can live where they're at. They can live there. A friend of mine said to me, this will put me out of my home. He said, I'm already paying higher property taxes than I am on my my mortgage, even with the cap on it. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I there's pushback right now on this dopey gas tax increase that happened. So there's people, you know, trying to do um, what they can to overturn that legislation. And I do think we need to raise our voices, everybody listening to, to kind of right. stop this. Um, getting- right. well, what I found out, too, that is that I, I read another article that you know, due to the rising housing prices, we stand to make three plus billion dollars in property tax revenues. That's without the increase. Three plus billion. So, I mean, basically, we're already making the the state getting more money anyway because of housing prices going up. So in the tune of three billion is what they're forecasting. Yeah. The problem is spending. I think they need this. Well, they don't need it. It's kind of like infrastructure. They passed that whole thing for gas taxes because they said that they've got to fill potholes and and deal with the dam that was about to burst. What have you been doing with the trillions and trillions of dollars? Oh, yeah, the high speed rail. Um, question for you from a strategy standpoint, because when I posted this article on Facebook, a lot of people started getting into strategies at the time to, to buy, sell. I'm saying, you know, either one could be a good strategy. Maybe it's the time. Absolutely. Uh, it just depends on what your, what your plan is. I mean, if you're, like you said, a retiree, this is a perfect time to take your tax base with you. There's Prop 60 and 90 that you can take your tax base if you're over 55 and you can take it with you to your next prop, uh, next property as long as it's within a, 
reciprocal city, which is most of Southern California. So if they're moving out of state, it's not going to help. But if they're moving to just a smaller home or another part of Southern California, mm-hmm. they can keep, even if they paid $100,000 for their house, they keep that house space. Wow. So you, they could then say, like my friend who's concerned, he's a retiree, maybe he could buy a condo somewhere, take his tax base with him, and then maybe Absolutely. sell his, his home, and he still gets to keep his lower tax base and, and downsize right. like he's been wanting re- to do. Okay. Right. He does not have to reassess at that point as long as he is over 55 and, and, and he qualifies for it, which you can, anyone qualifies it. It's not income-based right. or anything. So right. have him call me and okay. I can help. Yeah, I don't want anybody to panic, but I do think that, that this was kind of buried in some, I mean, who who in San Diego even reads the Orange County Reg- Register? So this was kind of a buried story, but it's serious. This is what they're wanting to do, and we can't take it for our property taxes, this Prop 13, no. for granted. we got to raise our voices no. on this. How can people get a hold of you, Miss Julie? Okay, 619-992-7113 or homesbyjulie at cox.net. Uh, you can text, call, whatever. All right, thanks for being here. All right, Andrea, have a great evening. You too. All right. Okay, bye-bye. A couple stories that nobody's really talking about. Did you guys know that a teacher in North Korea was captured for no apparent reason? He'd been over there teaching, I guess, you know, I don't know, engineering or something, and he was at... um, he was at the airport. He had been over there, I guess, for a, a contract period of time. And they come in, they're like, oh, no, you're not leaving. They haven't even said what they're holding him for. It's clear that he's going to be a bargaining chip. Um, there's now three U.S. citizens being held by North Korea for no apparent reason. So I'm kind of concerned for him. I guess the State Department and the Swiss Embassy, because we don't have an embassy over there, I guess, are working to try to get him out, which is which is a little concerning. Um I haven't had a chance since the show aired to touch base on um, another story, something that's happening here in San Diego, although it's got national attention. I don't know if you guys know that um, um, the San Diego School District, San Diego Unified School District a while back, decided that they were going to actually do something about this horrible problem of bullying uh, in the schools, I wasn't aware uh, that there was such a problem uh, with Islamophobia in the school districts because there hasn't been any news reports that anybody was bullying and that that this was such a problem. But I guess according to the Council for American Islamic Relations, CARE, otherwise known as the front group for Hamas, they went to the San Diego Unified School District and put some pressure on them and said, you guys got to do something to stop this Islamophobia in the schools. So here's what the San Diego Unified School District decided to do. They decided to come up with their anti-bullying program, and it includes social studies lessons on Islam so students would have a better understanding of the religion, including Islamic holidays on calendars, and you're going to love this one, safe spaces for Muslim students so they can pray, safe spaces, Um, and I guess once parents started finding out about this, they of course got really upset about it because, you know, you can't, you, here in San Diego, we used to have this Christmas program every year at, uh, Balboa Park called Christmas Nights. We had to change it to holiday nights because, you know, you can't have the word Christmas. We can't have a Christmas tree anywhere. You know, we got, I live up uh, in, in La Jolla for 20 years. There was a movement to take the cross down from Mount Soledad because it was so offensive to everybody in Southern California because we got to have separation of church and state. But we have a school district teaching in social studies classes for the purpose of having them children understand Islam. This is absolutely outrageous. 
If I had known, actually, before coming to the show here tonight that there was actually going to be this uh, meeting tonight, I might actually cancel the show and gone to this meeting to give these people a piece of my mind. And I don't even have a kid going to school. But you know what? I am, even with Prop 13 cap on property taxes, I'm still paying for these schools. What in the world are we doing having a school district kowtowing to a front group for a terrorist organization dictating our school curriculum? I'm all for schools, you know, and being able to come up with curriculum at a local level, but this is absolutely ridiculous. Rant over. Sorry about that. I'm going to follow up with you guys and let you know what happens. You know, seriously, I probably would have had Joseph sit in with me and do the show tonight, and I'd be down there at that school district giving him a piece of my mind. You know, at the at the very least, you could you could write them a strongly worded letter, or maybe catch them after the meeting. (laughs) Yeah. They they need to go and find it. They would need to go and find a safe space if AK was there at that meeting tonight. I can tell y'all that because this is I mean, it's beyond ridiculous. Safe space. Indeed. What about first of all, you can't you can't have a you can't curriculum away bullying. OK, bullying is a fact of life in schools, unfortunately. But second of all, I, Where's all the bullying? There's more bullying going on that I can see around the world. Bullying of Trump supporters, bullying of Christians, bullying of conservatives. That's what I see. I see conservatives as being the ones that are on the receiving end of bullying and in need of a safe space. Um, Before time gets away from me, I want to go ahead and get into my um, awards for last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award, and Hero of the Week. I'm kind of, I think for my runner-up for Hero of the Week, I think it's going to be Jackie Robinson because I love the fact that here was a man who at a time could have just been a victim. He could have just spent his whole career playing the victim card because that's so much of what we see right now. Here we've got CARE, a front group for a terrorist organization, pushing the narrative and actually having the United States government believe it, the false narrative that a front group for Hamas, that they're the victims. This whole victimhood thing has just really gotten out of control. And here we had this man who, you know, didn't, at a time in which he really could have been the victim, push back against it. He kind of reminds me of, um, oh, my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Ben Carson. You know, Ben Carson had kind of a similar story and grew up in, in underprivileged circumstances, no money, single mother household. But it was a household of faith. It was a household of work ethic. It was a household of, you know what, stop sitting around crying about your circumstances. Pull yourself up. And I love that story. I especially love a story that involves faith and, and is inspiring because I think we need more of that today. And I'm thinking of a young man that I know who would really benefit from that story. A lot of young men these days could benefit from that. But he's actually not my hero of the week. My hero of the week is actually coming for a suggestion of one of the listeners out there. And it has to do... Um, actually it's kind of a combo. I think it's my first time I've ever done a combo last week's fool, this week's tool award and hero of the week. And this was a listener suggestion that the hero of the week might be Bill O'Reilly because instead of slinking off into the night with his tail tucked between his legs going away, he actually came back, dusted himself off and did a podcast. And I got a hat tip to anybody who would do that? Because, I, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be that high profile, number one host of cable news, household name, 20 years number one dude, and he's brought to his knees. And to not slink off in shame, but actually to go back public, man, that's, that's to me, is, is, that's, that's a feat unto itself. 
So I think that he's not letting the left win. And I think for that alone, he's a hero of the week. But I also kind of give him, got to give him the last week's full last week's tool award, because I got to tell you, when you are the number one host in cable news, you got to know, and he's known for years, he's been talking about Media Matters and others organizations coordinating to go after him. You got to be as smart as possible. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. It's not fair that men have to come into the workplace, keep their eyes down on their shoes as they're walking around because there's women out there in the workplace doing everything they can to try to trap somebody for a takedown and a shakedown. But you know what? One of our lessons we got to learn in life is that it's not fair. And I think that unfortunately, this coordinated attack of false claims against Bill O'Reilly actually hit him at knees that were already kind of shaky from his own kind of foolish and not wise behavior. And because he was kind of foolish, for example, in that hotel, he didn't deny that he was at that hotel room with Wendy Walsh. He didn't deny it. He didn't deny asking her to come back to the suite. He just, it just didn't result in sexual harassment. But I think that he kind of, he played a little bit of a fool and made himself a tool for the left. And that saddens me. But also a hero in this, in this whole story is Sean Hannity, who I don't think anybody's got any audio tapes of him being foolish and sexually harassing an intern or doing this, this stuff and, and being a tool for the left. So he was able to punch back hard this coordinated left effort to take him down. Um, but my combo for this week is Bill O'Reilly. My runner-up for the last week's Fool This Week's Tool is also Fox News because they were a tool and foolish for the left. Because while the left did do this un, um, historic, unprecedented attack to take down Bill O'Reilly, and he did feed it a little bit, did he really need to come off the air? Really? Bill Clinton, former president of the United States, got father of the year. This man was... Nobody. Two nobody, minutes. Nobody accused Bill O'Reilly of raping anybody, sexually assaulting anybody in the White House. Nobody accused Bill O'Reilly of leaving a woman for dead in a car that was, was flipped upside down underwater. So, you know, but I think that uh, Fox News, what it, however, whatever their role was behind the scenes as well as the left, they didn't really win here because O'Reilly is back on air and Tucker Carlson is in his place. And there's lots of people that think that Tucker Carlson right now is actually doing a little bit better of a job in, in pushing conservatism conservatism than Trump. I think my voice might be kind of finally going out on me. Hey, thanks everybody out there for watching the Facebook live tonight. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm here on Facebook. Y'all help me come up with a nickname from my buddy, Joseph. I'm not sure how many times we're going to be sharing. I don't know how many times going forward. I'm going to be here live at 6 PM, but uh, we'll, we'll come up with something for you. I, I look forward to running it anytime I can. It's it's a great show. It's it's a lot of fun running it. Anyway. Oh, thanks. Um, I think I've got like maybe a minute left. I got to give a little last minute rant. Okay, I love survival movies, but I'm hoping when I watch a survival movie, somebody actually survives. Okay, because I got sucked into two hours the other night watching this movie called The Gray, and nobody survived at the end. And I'm sorry if I like spoiler alert, but dang it, couldn't somebody have survived? Did you see that movie, Joseph? I did the entire time. I was just, you know, I, I was kind of wondering, well, who's going to make it out of this thing? You know, just keep dropping one by one. What's going to happen here? Yeah. So, you know, it is still bugging me. That was two nights ago. But, you know, what? I managed to survive this hour. And my throat did. I thank you all for hanging in there with me, my voice. Thank you, Ed Henry. Thank you, Megan Barth. Julie Mills Brennan. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, everybody out there. Love you all. Have a great night.